Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Still recovering from last weekend? Still old and soft. It's all my own fault. Yeah, you do this to Much you. Much like the heat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I am. The, I'm the Miami Heat of of uh, partiers. Did it all to myself. I don't feel like the Miami Heat basketball team do any partying. I feel like they are the antithesis no. of South Beach. No, no, that's that's all skinfold tests on a Monday morning. That's that's how they roll. Well, you know, you know what doesn't give you skinfold issues? Meth. That explains <laughs> well, Chris Birdman Anderson. I, this I, isn't I, I going could, in the I could tell us. I could tell a story here, but I'm not going to. Be, <laughs> not going to if it's going to be included in this podcast. Is that how you made playing weight for years? Uh, yeah, I've never never run a team with skinfold tests. That's ne- never had that degree of sophistication. <laughs> Only with meth. <laughs> And or enough players to, to be able to cull them if they didn't make any premeditated targets. Yes. Your level of authority was a bit like on the bill in the 80s. So yeah. they stop or I'll say stop again. Um, I did ask one player, I said, if, if you want to play Opens next World Cup, you're going to have to give up your one litre of coke a day habit. And he's like, Ooh. yeah, I'll play 30s. <laughs> Just like fucking hell. I'm not asking for much, mate. Nope. It's not like it'll damage you to give that up, you proto-diabetic <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> yes. Play-ins, that unsuccessful um, format that someone dreamed up and LeBron said should be well, fired into the sun. To be fair, and- after watching those games, I'm coming around to LeBron's original point of view. Maybe maybe that person should have been fired because those were some fucking horrible games of basketball. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you're right. The only one that kind of, I mean, the the Chicago-Toronto one was a good game, ruined by some brat kid that should have been turfed out on her ass. I know I'm the only person who's going to say this in the media, but fuck that. Hell is other people's children. And just because the dude used to play for you, you don't have to put his idiot kid in the front row so she can scream every time one of your idiot players tries to take a fucking free throw. Counterpoint, if you're a professional basketball player, an eight-year-old shouldn't put you off. I don't know, man. Every time I heard that, my fucking I just wanted to go and punch something. It was just it's just a horrible noise, man. It's just a horrible noise. Well, th- this is the this is the advantage of watching all, all sports with no sound on because I just can't. Like, there's very few commentators that I really enjoy listening to and don't rage quit. And I think cricket and AFL. Well, I was listening to uh, well, you, that's because you don't listen to um, Mark Jones and Caddy Richardson on the um, on the Kings home feed, who are probably the best. Yeah, them and the Nets. Oh, the, net, the Nets um, crew, Kustok cool. yeah. and Iron yeah. Eagle, they're very good too. Yeah. Uh, but I was actually listening to No Dunks playback. They're actually calling it live. Oh, yeah. and they're saying, "Is yeah. there somebody screaming?" And they kind of discovered it in real time what was actually going on. But there was some suggestion. This is Demar Derozan's daughter. For those who missed this story was basically sitting behind the who's nine that's their kitty you know americans love their children you know so much so that they definitely wouldn't allow people to massacre them in their schools 
but he was asked, you know, whether she's going to come down and play the game in Miami. And he's like, oh, no, she needs to stay at school. There's no fucking way Miami would let her in the building. Pat Riley and Nikki Harrison would have her photo <laughs> up on, like, do not let this girl in the building. They're not, they're not cutesy fucking homespun Canadians ready to, ready to be taken advantage of like, like the Raptors were. They weren't born yesterday. But what, what I want Chicago to do, though, is just have one empty seat near the, you know, where she would sit, you know. It's, it's like- Miami. There'll be empty seats anyway. It, they won't have any control That's over that. Right. But, you know, just, just where she would sit. So, there's just the thought, you know, are you going to make your free throws or am I going to have to bring in the little girl to scream at you? Um, but look, I, I know what you're saying about how they're technically not the greatest game. You know, it's not Spurs 2014 basketball, but damn, it was- I'm not, I'm not saying they weren't technically the greatest games. I'm saying they were literally horrible basketball that I never want to see again, and I hope these teams get beaten in two and a half in whatever series they go through to. I was offended by having to watch that fucking – did you watch that fucking Lakers-Timberwolves game? No. That was an affront to the eyes. That was a war crime. That should be – everyone responsible should be in the fucking Hague with Tony Blair. What the fuck are we doing? That that game put back the prospects of them ever being another playing tournament by twenty years. You know, uh, it's a bit like VAR; they can't take it away now because it's already in place. It's a bit like the play-in, but good lord, it's not doing its job if that's what it's turning out. Well, it did what ESPN wanted it to do, which is LeBron's in the playoffs. So, okay, I guess. I think TNT actually have his side of the draw, don't they? Like you know, that Minnesota team was was missing three of its top seven guys and only just lost. Um, well, when you say missing, <laughs> missing is very passive voice. Misplaced? Missing misplaced. suggests they, they just kind of disappeared. They'd been thanos <laughs> it, it wasn't that passive, though, was it, Bezo? It, it was more because of decisions that they'd made. Each one of them, I did well, like, some of them, some of them didn't did. make decisions, but some of them definitely did. Did you see Jordan Poole's press conference today? Someone asked Weirdly him whether- Weirdly enough, I don't set my schedule by Jordan Poole press conferences. Someone asked him whether that whether he thought that the veterans um, create chaos and fear, and he went, "Do you mean on the court or off?" <laughs> and I just went, "Oh, there's a guy who hasn't no. forgotten. He hasn't forgotten one yeah, little bit. Sort of on the court, but close to the baseline." <laughs> Are we talking about training? Um, yeah, we're talking about practice. We talk, oh, that's the problem. Nothing, the the um the Red Air Le Mans crew have a saying: nothing nothing good ever happens in warm up, and that's certainly true of um of practice. Nothing good ever happens in practice. Uh, no, I didn't watch any of the say. I watched both the um well the 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 highlight packages of the eight nine games because they seem to be much more compelling. So you don't have a position to fucking talk because they were all. I watched every fucking minute, and they were all horrible. And the best part is that you and I and Adam were wrong about everything except for the Timberwolves' ability to fail. Uh do the Raptors? Like blow it up, yep. yep. Well, everybody must go. Is Masai's rep starting to slip a little bit because he can't build a bench? Like, like poor old Nick Nurse has got literally no one he can rely on that is competent. And, and when he tries, even Gary Trent, Gary Trent can't fucking hit the side of a barn. Um, you know, he's got to ride his guys into the ground, a la Tibbs fashion. That side hasn't been particularly deep since the final side. I don't know. Also, Nurse hasn't been particularly sharp since Tampa. I think Tampa, the, the, when they had to go and play yeah, really, really the bubble year out them. of Tampa, I think that created deep trauma. I think those people are still 
I think the love of the game is well and truly, you know, on on, the, on one of the lowest ebbs it's ever had. And I think given that this team is at the end of its cycle, I often talk in, certainly in football teams, about the cycle, you know, the generation of players coming through. This team's at the end of its cycle. It's time to restart. And that's a really good time for, you know, Nick Nurse could and should very seriously consider going, okay, this it's time to step out of this. Well, and there's probably going to be some really good jobs available because if either of the Sixers or the Celtics don't like if if you if you get beaten easily if you're one of those two sides in the second round then you're going to have some sort of deep philosophical questions about what you can change up in your side and Philly might not have a choice right Harden might just fuck off back to back to Rockets land and and that will be your reset. But you know, Nurse might be the guy. Yeah, that- but it won't be because it'll be the excuse for why you don't fire Doc. Just just the same yeah. as if if Embiid gets an injury, it'll be the excuse for why they don't fire Doc. And this is the thing: you're not you very rarely get a definitive answer out of these playoff series. You, you ever think, well, if this happens, then that'll definitely tell us which team was better. It never does because no, there's always caveats. You know, yeah. someone was injured or someone did something or Kevin Durant trod on the wrong part of the fucking line and therefore that Nets team was probably better than, you know, there's always that kind of narrative. And you can never really say that's it's definitely the point at which you, you pull the pin. I, I just think that there's going to be a lot of tasty jobs for Nick Nurse to – Go in and be a fresh. Like I think he's he might be one of those coaches that has a shelf life, you, you know, whose message starts to like his perfectionism and his demand for a certain style of play can start to grade after a while. If you don't have, uh, like for for all pops, human side doesn't really come across the media. Like he's really well known for. Being very invested, it's because in he keeps barraging them with nine-minute diatribes <laughs> about gun laws. Um, it could also be that Nick Nurse can't win without Kawhi Leonard, which is, you know, oh uh, yeah, he he's had backed a, up by observable evidence. He's had a pretty good like like that Tampa run, notwithstanding. I think he's done pretty good with the talent that he's been provided. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, it's a little bit like star talent in the league at the moment. There's a lot of really good coaches around. Uh, so, but there's always an owner or a front office, you know, just looking to change something up enough that I think he'll, he'll walk into another job. Hopefully Steve Silas walks into a really good assistance job where he can actually do some, some decent work instead of babysitting a whole bunch of kids. And then I guess Dwayne, Dwayne Casey got promoted to a cruisier front office position, but. That's what you do when your coach has a massive contract and you don't want to fire them because they cost too much money, so you promote them upstairs. Mm. They'll work for Lawrence Frank. Like, maybe not – I don't know whether you could say Lawrence Frank's had a great career as an executive, but like – I don't think he was ever – It was he was ever promoted upstairs because of that. I think he was promoted upstairs because he was an abrasive presence on the bench and they thought oh, on the bench, yeah. something else with you. Though the coaches I was really interested to talk to you about, though, was our fourth musketeer. Welcome back to this wedge in coaching, because that's the important part about <laughs> basketball. No, no, because as the great Arrigo Saki, the mastermind behind uh, those AC Milan teams of the, of the late eighties and nineties, said, uh, "Coaching is irrelevant. A good coach adds ten percent to a team's performance, and a bad coach takes thirty yeah. percent off." Oh, that's all. Sure. Okay. I, I don't agree with that, but anyway. Which are you? Are you the are you the ten percent plus? Or the, or, and most of them are right in the middle and don't do fucking anything. Oh, I definitely just, agree. It, it plays to the level of the talent and, and the level. And as in football, it, it team performance tracks to basically payroll. That's the best predictor of of any team's performance is payroll. 
Sure. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter any of the other stuff. Probably in probably in professional sports, that's absolutely true, right? Because you, the, the playing field, uh, I guess not even- There's variables that impact it a lot more than coaching, right? Your payroll or your, or your, or your systems or in the NBA's yeah. case, your front office, right? If, if you can't draft well and you yeah, can't- You t- take payroll as a proxy for um, talent quality. Which you can do yeah. in a sport that doesn't have a salary cap because, you know, generally the best players will end up with the most cash. And I think you're right. It's probably bad coaching affects um, professional teams like that more than good coaching because there's yeah. a lot of good coaches and a lot of good front officers. So, uh, you're probably working on a 2 or 3% margin, but that might be the difference between winning and losing a game seven, I guess. And a lot of that stuff isn't actually X's and O's. It's, it's ego management at that level. Which is oh, probably absolutely. the case with basketball as well. Which is, yeah, I, th- I think man management is a completely underrated side of coaching for sure. Well, at, th- at that level, I think it's almost more important to be a Carlo Ancelotti style, um, have a light touch with the big personalities and, you know, yep. run some, you know, your X's and O's stuff might not be the freshest and sharpest and most fucking gay and pressy, you know, latest hipster shit, but it's how you keep winning cups with massive teams versus, yep. you know, trying to get a mid-table team to outperform their um, the level of talent with a whole lot of really clever X, X's and O's stuff, and I think you see both of those so, both of those schools of thought in the in the basketballs. So, the fourth musketeer is your classic Kenny Atkinson style. Well, like we've always had him pegged as the classic Kenny Atkinson style development coach, or your Brett Brown style development coach, right? Who's there to sort of shepherd these all these young draft picks through to building good. You know, b- building good skills and building good habits and stuff like that. And Kenny Atkinson currently at the Dubs and Bruce Brown currently at sorry, Bruce, yeah, Bruce Brown. I was, thinking, I was thinking Bruce Bowen for a minute. Um, <laughs> Brett Brown, not Bruce Brown. I'm getting Brett Brown, Bruce Brown, and Brett Bowen and Bruce Bowen all mixed up, which is a problem. Stop. Uh, but that guy, but- the guy with the the, the the American who coached Australia, is is on the Spurs extended bench. Yeah, so. Like he's done, a, he's done a great job of development, right? You, you look at all the young players on OKC, and they've got, you know, it's it's obviously obvious that they take coaching well and they're well coached. You made a point about OKC that was actually really interesting, but we'll come back to that. But what I thought was fascinating about the thing that I found really impressive with that game was they were fully prepared for Herb Jones and and the Pelicans to shut down Shea in the first quarter or the first half, right? They knew that they were going to pour all their energy into not letting Shea get going. And they're prepared for it. They're like, okay, we we are going to make sure Gideon Dort <laughs> activate the Dort, activate the Dort. But but th- that's a classic situation where a young side would freak and go, holy shit, we can't lean on our superstar. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And they just that no, they're just like we're going to let Dort shoot it. That that was obviously like he was obviously mentally prepped for that. Like he just let it fly straight away. I've, I've got a vague memory of him doing that in one of the Chris Paul OKC series. Yeah, he did it on the Rockets. Yeah, 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 he did it against the Harden Rockets. Um, but the, just the 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 flexibility. He might be the rare coach that gets to grow pop style with with the with the stars. You know, he might not be out in two years' time when the side's good enough to to compete for finals or you know not finals finals, but you know. Well, to be fair, at that very joint, Scott Brooks got to do that. Admittedly, we discovered that his growth wasn't sufficient to get them where they needed to be, but he got—he was there yeah. for like seven years, I think, in the end. 
because um, oh, yeah, I was looking I, at OKC's record because you you tweeted from the, the Bulls account. Uh, it's, it's disgusting how you know that, that Sam Presti hasn't been called to account for this decade of 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 tanking they had to do this. Oh wait, it was only two years. And then I I went, no, that's not right. And then I looked it up and I was, no, it has been two years. It just felt like four years, years because it was the COVID years. But but the thing is that as good as this season was, this is the fourth worst season in Thunder history. Wow. Because their record, they have always been really good. This is only the fourth yeah. season below 500 since they moved from Seattle. They've just always been really good. You kind of have to be if you're in a small market, I suppose. But it kind of tells you what they're – I mean, they, they missed the playoffs as a 45-win team one year. They've always been yeah. really good. And that's – um. That's really important for for maintaining relevance in a you know in a random city in the middle of nowhere when you play in a shade of blue that belongs on a urinal cake. Yeah, oh, look, look, there's there's a lot not to admire about OKC, but the other thing with them is I don't actually think that they're going to package up all their picks for, especially with the new CBA rules, for uh, uh, like try and buy another star. No, they're go- they're, this is the team. They're going to run with this bunch. This is the, this is the group. I think they'll. Or, the, or they might highlight a, a sixth pick or a seventh pick that they think really fits a need for them and they'll go, okay, well, we'll put this pick and this pick and these two second-round picks and we'll take your sixth pick and we'll we'll nail our guy. You know, that, that like that's the giddy thing, right? Everyone was mm. like, oh, what the fuck are you guys taking giddy that high for? And now everyone's like, holy shit, first finals game, almost a triple-double, 31-point triple-double. With only two turnovers, that was that was probably the most impressive thing for the guy that took as many shots as he did and handled the ball as much as he did under that pressure in the first half to only turn the ball over twice uh, with guys like Herb Jones and and Co on the other side is pretty impressive for a twenty year old. They're gonna get smashed by the Nuggets. Oh, absolutely! Be because like, <laughs> like they're they're sort of scrambling. Even if they get, even if they get past Minnesota, we don't have a big guy, so we'll just scrambling and gang rebound. Oh, that's just not going to work against Jokic. <laughs> Jokic will just like, yeah, you guys can send three at me, and I'll either just shoot over the top of you or pick your part because I can literally see over the top of all of your players because you're all little dwarves. Um, yeah, but like everyone's sort of. Uh, impressed and and has in the back of their head the knowledge that this seven-foot guy that's really good at blocking shots and shooting threes is coming back next year. Might be handy. From our massive overreactions to one-game sample sizes department, shouts to Al Jaffe, R.O.P., mm-hmm. um, was there anything that you saw in the – you didn't see because you didn't watch the playing games – that you saw that made you think more differently about the prospects of any of those teams? The only one that made me think about was uh, made me think. Actually, the Lakers probably don't have a chance against the Grizzlies, no matter how many players the Grizzlies are missing, because the Lakers are horrible. Yeah, no, that that like I was hearing all the Lakers optimism. And you have a I fucking Twitter just, list, you, it amplifies it to you because you like you know drinking Laker optimist tears. <laughs> I do like drinking Laker optimist tears. No, I just like Ant did nothing in that game, right? He he his yeah he wasn't he wasn't ready for that. Look, yeah, whether it was hurt or the stage is a little bit too big. The guy they're facing in Memphis is not that way inclined. He will go at them and go at them hard. He'll go um, at anybody. He's suing the teenager that he allegedly, allegedly punched and threatened with a gun uh, because he hasn't had a, a big enough PR disaster in April yet. So, Yeah, and, and that's, that is that is really the only thing I can see derailing the Grizzlies from that series, right? That and, the, and the total lack of bigs. I mean, Memphis only have Jared Jackson Jr., who – for all all his improvement over the year is massively foul prone. 
what's the plan when Jack when Jackson's in foul trouble? They had good games from AD and LeBron, and Minnesota had no bigs, and they barely beat. Well, they them. didn't. They had a they um, they had a good half. In fact, they really had a, a good quarter in overtime because most of yeah. that game they sucked. And remember, AD almost cost them the game by inexplicably fouling, inexplicably fouling. a three-point shooter. It was like that was a J.R. Smith-level stupidity. I mean, if he'd forgotten the game, the, the score as well, that would have that would have fucking you know completely you know filled the box set. The, the other the other thing that I think is probably in OKC's favour, and like it's just gravy for OKC now, right? Even if they get spanked in this game and or they face the Nuggets and get swept. It, there's literally no downside. It's not like re- it's really costing them draft picks. They have too many draft. Well, there is for us because we have to watch. <laughs> like then spots, y- you know. It's not like they need more of them. Of them. Um, oh, yeah, but look, we're not going to be watching OKC Denver in the first round, are we? It'll it'll be Knicks and um, Knicks and Cleveland and like all I the think games the Lakers- are on. They do show yeah, all the games, true. you know. Yeah, but. Like, in order of importance, like, are you really – you're not going to be interested. Like, just just the – I um, have a basketball podcast, Bezo. I like to watch basketball. <laughs> I'm probably going to watch all of it, at least bits of all of it. Like, If Kings, it's on, I'm watching it because I'm dedicated Warriors. to having an NBA podcast. That's why I watch the games, <laughs> not just the shitty highlights. The, the Kings-Warriors series is probably – that might be the one I watch the um, least of just because it, it would make me sad to see the Kings get killed. It's a bit like watching the horse drown in the swamp in never-ending story. It's like, this isn't fair, man. That's not how this should end. Yeah, I'm just, I, 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 keep, I keep thinking that's going to happen, right? And then I'm like, yeah, but no one thought the Kings were going to get third either. Like, if, you, if we would have all been certified if we'd said that the Kings were going to finish in the top three in the West. Yeah, but they're, they're literally I'd, I'd- the only team in the West who didn't have any injuries all season. <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean, there's, true. There's a lot of there's a lot of mitigating circumstances behind why the Kings are where they are. Yeah, one of them is that I, I, they're I, really I, good on offense. And that, well, that's the thing, right? Is that the Warriors are really bad on defense when they're not at home. Uh, but Sacramento is basically like an outer suburb. It's, it's home. Yeah, it's a, it's a ninety minute drive or something. Or someone said oh, that they fly. Know. It's like a t- it's a ten minute flight. In the yeah, jet you, you'd spend more time. Yeah, like. <laughs> You wouldn't even have time to do the Pre-check. safety demonstration. You get up, get down. It's basically a helicopter flight in a, in a PJ. But no, they just take the bus, just cruise up. Yeah. It might be a river um, that, that Clay can sail his boat up. And what about do – we, do we think Chicago will finish off the heat? Like, do the heat look mentally done? Uh, like, you know. I didn't expect do, do the heat even, to suck Do like they that? even go to Cancun or do they just go to a bar in Miami? Like, it's literally on the on the, the beaches already there anyway. I think apparently it's flooding in Miami. Um, so, they, <laughs> so maybe, maybe, it might look more like Venice. <laughs> floating around on punts, absolute punts. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I don't the- want to see that Chicago team it, it anymore either. So, you know, the, the Nuggets, OKC will be the NBA TV series to win them all. The only reason the Bucks and Chicago won't be that is because it's Giannis against Michael Jordan's old team. But the quality yeah, of play that, will be that- much poorer. That that feels like you know like a, a mercy killing, especially since they just ran the cleaners through them last year as well. Uh, that that feels sort of almost unfair to let the let the bulls go into that one eight series. Uh, it'll it'll be funny though if one of the other three sides. I guess Cleveland's not expected to sort of 
absolutely smash New York. I think there's a lot of optimism that New York will be that will be a competitive series. But that's that's the one where. But a lot of that is a lot of that is is Nick's exceptionalism. That's sort of same kind of yeah, that's, exceptionalism. That's, and the fact that Cleveland haven't been there, I guess. Yeah, but you, you look at the Knicks, and, and I know we've said this before, but the Knicks, their brand of basketball looks the most like playoff basketball, but they, you also know they don't have a ceiling that's beyond what they've, you know, they don't have another gear, and they certainly, um, you know, without Julius Randle, they're less than what they have been in the regular season. So there is certainly yeah, a, um, a world, there's certainly a universe in which Cleveland do this relatively comfortably. Yeah, Tibbs is like the anti-Golden State team or the anti- um, Cleveland teams of LeBron, like they don't have a switch to to flick. It's just one, one speed all the way, a hundred percent, thirty eight minutes for every starter. Uh, do more of it louder. Yeah, do more. And it, it yeah, it feels like when teams are going to pick it up, that they're not going to be able to go with the pace. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think that might be, that series. Is is a great series on paper, but might be a little bit disappointing in reality. So what you're Philly, saying is that the entire first round's going to suck. Well, no, the one that I think could be a little bit fascinating, and it, it might not be, and B might just monster everyone, and might not matter. But the fact that Harden has had a major Achilles problem recently and says that he's been struggling to walk, and it's been you know, bothering looks like him is the Harden. way it was described to me. By a, by a yeah, uh, Achilles are not something that you just sort of shake off, right? And the, once the adrenaline gets going, that's not an injury that that you can sort of take a painkiller and play through. It really does limit your mobility and your and especially for someone like him, that deceleration, you know, that that ability to be able to stop and find find the gaps in the defense. So if they don't have him and everything goes back and on bead, um. And you just know the Nets are just going to run the fucking ball as fast as they possibly can all the time because that's the that's the only real advantage that they have. Yeah, they've got a um, heavily motivated um, Spencer Dinwiddie after that <laughs> preposterous Twitter beef with Kyle Kuzma. That that, that Twitter beef was, was kind of the, the equivalent of the play-in games. It was just a massive mid-off. It was just a whole lot of irrelevant people trying really hard to be relevant and failing dismally. It's almost as bad as bloody Paul Pierce's obsession with Richard Jefferson. What's he got against Richard Jefferson? It's almost Richard as bad as Paul Pierce's like- anything. Everything, since he had that very grim men's evening and got fired from ESPN, yeah. everything Paul Pierce has had to say has been just cretinously irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Pierce had it's, that Kendrick it- Perkins angle sort of lane before before Perk had it. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. It, the, Perk's just – Perk's basically being – propped up by every sort of credible ESPN voice for some reason that is just beyond me. Um, whereas, yeah, because, Paul Pierce does not enjoy that. Because he gets more clicks that. than so, they do. That's the problem. Yeah, that's probably he's, he, he's bringing in the He's bringing in the ad cash. That's what he's there for. Yeah. Um, he's directing the eyeballs to the credible journalists. So, so which one of us are, is, is Perk and which one of us is the credible ESPN journalist in this relationship, Doc? <laughs> Who's bringing the clicks and who's bringing the thoughtful takes? We don't have either. <laughs> we don't have takes and we don't have clicks. Uh, we don't even have somebody with a, with a comedy Alabama Southern accent. So, okay, what are the top three competitive first-round series then? Is it Clippers-Suns number one or is it 
Yeah, until someone gets win. But the problem is they're all flawed. I mean, the the yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi having to do it on his own really makes you wonder how long that's going to go for, particularly before something on Kawhi goes patung like an overstrung banjo. Yeah, which is the the Pelicans have that Zion problem just sitting in their background, right? Is their, I wouldn't say their- the background. The way it's well, ESPN have brought that to the foreground and sort of saying, you know, what the fuck's wrong with with Zion? You know, is he are they going to trade him? Kind of kind of talk. Why has he only played 37 games in the past 43 years? Yeah, the Embiid comps are sort of similar, but it doesn't seem like Embiid always felt like he had a work ethic, right? Um, Embiid, Embiid is nowhere near as explosive as Zion either. No, that's true. And, and like, I mean, Zion as a high school prospect looked like, you know, he, he had the athleticism of LeBron James. And he was doing Tomahawk jams and shit like that. And that's never really been Embiid's go. Embiid has the feel of like a like a supercharged version of the the big post up you know center of the past. He can do a lot of other stuff. He's got a magnificent handle and can shoot really well, but he's still if you squint you see the model of the center that's always been in basketball. I mean that's not Zion in any way. Zion is like is like a, a, a kaiju version of LeBron James, like a Godzilla LeBron James. Yeah. And and the problem is with those soft tissue injuries, if you are that sort of like you know, I've never really had a bad soft tissue injury, but I also can't explode off anything, right? So the chances of me tearing a a muscle off the bone are pretty low. But for someone like him, like you gotta be super confident that your body's good to go so that when you do react, because like if you react instinctively, you know, and go up for a dunk or try and make a move to, to defend and your body's not ready and you do things the way that you've always done, then, you know, there goes that hamstring again. Um, I know it's, it's, a, it's a different series of limbs and joints and stuff, but the Greg Oden vibes are really upsettingly, uh, you know. And this is the thing, and this is why all of the all of the fucking chatter about Wemby, I always kind of think, shit, we, what are we doing to ourselves here? What are we doing to him here? Because they don't all work out. Some of them have really sports tragic endings. I don't want to say tragic endings because- well, Greg Oden's the alive thing that I find, seems to be reasonably happy. I find fascinating about the 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 Wemby thing from the the reporting that's come in is he understands that like some of the stuff that he's doing mobility wise, like to strengthen the arches of his feet and and you know to make sure that he has really good mobility and the ability. So if he does come down on those feet the wrong way, you know they're used to flexing and bending and and not just breaking. I don't think someone like Zion's ever done that sort of work. I think he's done some traditional strength-based and speed-based work, but that sort of next-generation mobility stuff um, that they've that they've got him doing and sort of building up very incrementally uh, the 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 strength in those small muscles in his feet and ankles. It, it's it's the same sort of stuff that Curry actually did. You know, when Curry had those really bad ankles and they they did all the work building up, you know, not making him sort of ripped, but building up all the little small muscles around the ankle joint to to be able to take the punishment of changing direction the way Steph Curry does. And, you know, he's been not super durable, but not as broken as what everyone expected when he first signed that, you know, that big contract in the Mark Jackson days, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of his major injuries was a broken hand or wrist, wasn't it? The, the one that kicked yeah. him out one of the years they were 
they were they were tanking for who they were tanking for. That might have been the pick that ended up as as Wiseman. Wiseman, I think. Um, I think that's the Wiseman pick. The problem is that the dumb luck can just mean that it doesn't matter how you know if someone crashes into yeah. your knee the wrong way, it, it doesn't even fucking yeah, well, matter. And of Durant course, to, 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 to go full fucking, you know, old cleavers saying, you know, these these new techniques or you know, these new training techniques and all that have been around, and we've never had as many injuries. Now we know that basketball is a very different game to how it was played back in the day. But this is a science. This is a science. Science is con- constantly updated. What we think is state of the art right now might be looked upon in five years to say, why the fuck were we doing that? That's a terrible idea. Yeah. See, like I even I even look at it in touch, and I look at. You know the 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 changes in training techniques and what they're doing. Like I look at a, a state of origin game from last year compared to ten years ago, and and it's almost like watching it in fast forward. Like the game is not super different, but the speed and the the execution of the skills at a different speed is just amazing. Um, and that's like. I think that's what the, there's more, you know, there's, there's Luca ball, but there's also a lot of off ball movement and a lot of, um, stuff happening more, more often. I think it'd be interesting to see whether someone's done, and I'm sure they have with like the all second spectrum stuff and that, but just a, like a direct comparison of how many kilometers, uh, like each team ran, you know, in a game uh, across the years to, to see whether, they're actually just doing more miles, like they're just running more. Um, yeah, but you need because, to get yeah, that you data. You need to have the, the either the video or the or the actual pl- tracker data. And, yeah, uh, from from the eighties and seventies and stuff. And yeah. that doesn't exist. You'd have to do it from film, and the film might not be good enough. It certainly wouldn't be film that has everybody on the court in shot. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's one of the problems is they don't have like the equivalent of an all twenty two film um, for some of that older stuff, where they've got like one like yeah. one camera. On fixed camera tracking the, the the movement of all the dots on the field mm. or on the court. Yeah. Okay. So, so you didn't enjoy any of the playing games. You're not looking to any um, four twenty of the first round series. Have you got any, have you got anything positive to say about the NBA, Doc? Oh, we've got lots to look forward to with all the um, all the fantastic uh, awards chat that's about to come out. Given that, <laughs> oh God. That, that, that some fucking munters are trying to hound. Andy Larson of, of uh, the Salt Lake Tribune off Twitter because he dared to not vote for Paolo Banquero as Rookie of the Year and therefore made him not unanimous Rookie of the Year because he felt like Walker Kessler had a better a better fucking you know analytics back season. It's like the the dumbest shit group thing on the NBA Twitter year, is so disappointing. It's just so dumb, and we're going to have so much of this for Six Man. We're going to have this for Coach of the Year. We're going to have this, and definitely for MVP, we're going to have this. So. The you know the end of this website you know of Twitter dot com couldn't come soon enough to be honest. Do, do you know who 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 loves this shit though? Is owners and front offices that know how to use analytics right? Because this analytics backlash is just the dumbest fucking thing. Like it, you know, analytics. Well, what is you're not doing? You're like describing a- Daryl Morey, who's also responsible for some of the dumbest parts of the narrative. In fact, he's responsible for the dumbest parts of the narrative. So respectfully, yeah, true. fuck I, I, your analytics face, uh, front offices. They are responsible for some of the worst basketball ever played. Um, yeah, okay. I, I can't really argue the Daryl thing. The problem with Daryl is that he thinks that it's it's all just numbers, and that I don't think that's the right way to use analytics. I think that's actually a well, really dumb way to use analytics. Well, I don't know if he does analytics. anymore. Hinky did, but I don't think. I mean, Daryl 
Oh, it's never been more star-centred than it's most star-centred GM around, given the way he would, uh, you know, he's kept, you know, pumping the tyres on hard and pumping the tyres on a beat. Yeah, but but um, Maury has always said that team building and and uh, chemistry don't matter. You know, it's just about the talent. Yeah, and and the analytics tell you who the talent is, and you get the best talent you possibly can, and that's just subjectively wrong, right? And okay, yeah. it's very hard to an- analytically measure vibes and chemistry and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I can tell you, like, like how do, how do you think the Mavs would have gone if Luka Doncic played with the attitude of Jokic? Because they've got similar talent levels and similar skill sets, right? But Jokic makes every like he's constantly trying to make everyone around him better. And Luca's just like, give me the fucking ball and clear out. Yeah, but everybody around him is better from a starting point because it's not oh, run by Mark Cuban. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, I mean, a lot of this, I would just like to see Donkic in it. I think it'd be more interesting to say, like, what would happen if they swapped circumstances? What would it actually look like? What would Donkic look like if he was playing for a team uh, that wasn't a ludicrous fucking capitalist champions? Oh, the Mavs! Did we ever talk about the new CBA on the podcast, or did that come up? No, um, we didn't. We didn't get to it last time. No. Yeah, the, we the- have peace in our time. There won't be a lockout because both sides are, are stupid enough to fucking agree on some really, really dumb things. Yeah, the the anti Clippers, anti Golden State CBA. Well, yes and no. It's the anti twenty twenty two dubs. CBA, yes, but it's that's the pro pro twenty sixteen dubs because if you tr- yeah. if you as we kind of alluded to earlier, if you draft your own players, this actually enables you to re-sign them at, mm. at vast amounts of money, whereas, you know, you can't build a team by buying a lot of people in the, the way that the, the twenty uh, the 2018 dubs. You can't just spend ridiculously into the, the tap. Great for, great for OKC with their 15 picks. Well, that's the thing is is that this kind of – they've got all these things like the mid-season waste of money, brains, and time. I don't really know what the fuck they're bothering with that about They've got this 65-game cap on the awards, which I know teams are just going to use in order to stop players getting to the Supermax qualification level, and that's going to be a huge issue, but that's going to be the unintended consequence of that. Uh, they brought in cap smoothing because they don't want to have another situation where the dubs have enough money to just absorb Kevin Durant's salary. They want to have this this second super tax uh, apron to try and penalise teams to stop them just spending their way into a title like the dubs did. The unintended consequences that come out of this are going to be amazing. The, the, well, the that's, te- that's active, the thing active with- players being able to buy bits of teams and or stakes in gambling organisations is just insane. It doesn't matter how they manage well, it. Well, that's just that's just fucking nuts. The optics are ludicrous. It doesn't matter if they're if they're just essentially paying into a super fund that invests in other teams and they don't know which teams. The optics are horrific. It's only going to take one. Reddit thread to try and unpick that a certain player has investments in a certain team and they're, you know, Tim Donahue style allegations about point shaving. It's, it's just, it just opens up so much scope for disaster. And that, n- neither side wanted it, wanted to do anything about one and done. So we still have 18 year olds who can't I, I, go and get employed. Well, I sort of feel like the, what, what is it? NIL deals and the, and the, the NIL deals elite. Yeah, they're, no, they're that's, absolutely bullshit. That's but I, not going to cover enough people. I think, I, think I think there was a real pushback from front offices going, we do not want to have to go and scout high schools as we well as- We don't want to do the work. 
We don't want to yeah, do the work. We- but as somebody pointed out, the thing is, though, that the hit rate on high school players in the, in the NBA draft has historically been very high because if they're good enough at high school level to mm. be going into the draft, then they're already really, really, really good. Now, that yep. might change if pretty much anybody's putting their hand up to come out of a high school and go into the draft. But, yeah. But I suppose players got, can just smoke as much weed as they like. So everything's fine, I guess. That's what's really important. Well, the, the other one that, that I only saw mentioned in one place, but I thought was hilarious, was if you're a cheap owner that um, basically just runs an NBA team to get your share of the luxury tax, you know, a la, I'll, I'll just kick back, let an NBA team sort of roll over under the tax every year and yeah. I'll- rake in the, the, the extra cash that I get from the Nets and the, the Clippers of the world. Well, that pot is- Which, to be fair, is not as much of a thing in the NBA as it is in the in MLB, where it's a massive thing. There are so many teams in baseball that are just being run as profit centres. They're not- They don't actually mm. really give too much of a fuck about actually putting a, a, a performing team on the, on the fucking- on the, on, the, on the field, on the diamond, to remember what the term is. Yeah, well, the, uh, ironically, the Clippers used to be that side, right? The Clippers used to be. Yeah, absolutely, they were. But now that you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to have a um, high spending tax team. There's going to be less luxury tax, <laughs> so there's going to be less incentive for those shit sides to, you know, just profit take. Which, which I thought was pretty funny. Yes and no, because there is, they did take away a little bit of the disincentive to spend kind of a little bit into the tax. Yeah. They've just punished you from going. You're not going to get teams yeah. dumping salary just to duck the tax. Yeah. So that they've uh, kind of um, taken a little bit of the, the penalty out. Like I think, um, they've made more, uh, mid-level exceptions and things like that available. Yeah. So for people who don't really understand this sort of stuff, it means that you're able to offer more money to guys who were kind of at the mid-level because in the previously, if you were a, a, a tax-paying team, your salary slots were such that you couldn't actually throw a lot of money at guys on the mid-level and other teams that weren't paying the tax uh, for being over the salary cap basically would. Listen to me, I'm fucking Bobby Marks. <laughs> well, the other thing is, like, if you sort of um, uh, link it in with the playing game, you, like, what, what it's trying to do, I guess, is encourage... Um, encourage teams to go for it a little bit more, right? So if you're a team and you're not sure whether you're a contender, so, you know, you're like, well, let's be conservative and not go into the luxury tax, tax because it, you know, penalises so badly. And this is sort of sort of nudging them to go, no, you know, have a, if, you think you, if you think you're good enough, have a crack. You know, we're going to let you – we're going to let you go for it a little bit more, which is only going to make that sort of 4 to 12 uh, spot even – more crazy, I guess. Um, if you incentive more teams to try, like to take away, take away more of the stoppages of of people trying to 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 get into the playing game. Uh, but the problem is, then I guess is who's selling? <laughs> like, if you're encouraging more people to buy or, or spend money, who's the who's the teams trying to tank? I guess there's always someone trying to tank. But uh, well, it means they're making a lot more money, and people are getting paid a lot more, so there are more teams that end up in the tax. Yeah, I guess so. Supply and demand, as the hives put it once. I think I just found my playout music. Well, on that note, shall we? Uh, shall we wrap up our? Shall we play our out? Playing coverage. Shall we play out? Play out of our play-in coverage, and we'll watch the playoffs, which will be on the morning that this episode drops. Um, the the play-in will be completed by the time this drops, I expect, because the games with daylight saving, the games seem to happen pretty fucking early in the morning <laughs> for this part of the world. Um, 
Well, the, the good thing is we didn't make any predictions, so we can't be wrong. Oh, my, uh, the only predictions we made is that the eight seeds will be horrible and will lose badly, uh, which I feel like, barring injury, is pretty reliable. Uh, yeah. Watch us be wrong about that, because we were wrong about everything about the play-in. Yeah, but, but Bucks to get including swept. including the idea that it'd be watchable. The, the Bucks to get swept by the Chicago Bulls. There you go. Yes, that would be a thing. Take it to the bank. All right. As long as it's that fucking Silicon Valley bank that went to the world. <laughs> That's I, right. I was Doc. He was Bezo. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you again about basketball next week. See ya. But I'll devote my time to new omission.